Good morning. That was pretty hearty. That was a pretty hearty good morning. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm a little sweaty. It's warm on that stage. And uh, I'm already worn out this morning. So when we, when we sang that last song, I was singing, uh, You're Never Gonna Let Me Down. And today that's been my heartbeat. Because I've been pulling double duty this morning and uh, getting up early trying to prepare for this this morning and just trusting God that he's never going to let us down in this. And so let's pray just for a second. Let's give this over to him. And then we'll, we'll dig into God's word today. God, we ask today, again, that you come. We ask today, again, that your presence be known. We ask again that you move in this place. Because, God, some of us are tired. Some of us are overwhelmed. Some of us don't know what's going on in our lives. And so we look to you this morning. Some of us have come hoping to hear from you in some way. And so, God, I ask that you speak. Some of us have come without any expectations of all that you're going to show up. God, and I ask that you blow our minds away. God, move in this place in such a way that we will know you more. Move in such a way this morning that our faith will be deepened, that our desire to see you will be deepened, that we will seek you out this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. Move in this place. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, good morning. My name's Adam. I'm up here leading worship most of the time. And today I'm speaking, so game on, right? We've been in Exodus, as you just saw in the video, for 11 weeks now. We're moving into our 12th week of Exodus. Next week will be the final week where we're wrapping up the whole book. And we've been looking at Exodus kind of episode by episode, moment by moment, big picture by big picture, not verse by verse, but kind of thought by thought, like what is going on in this section of scripture and moving forward. So as the video laid out, the Egyptians or the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God freed them from that. Brought them through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and now they are at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses is on top of the mountain talking with God. And God is laying out for Moses, this is how you're going to worship me. This is how you're going to worship me. This is how you're going to live your life with me around you. So he lays out, hey guys, here's how the tabernacle needs to be. Here's, what, here's where my dwelling place is going to look like. Here's where you're going to sacrifice to me. Here's how you're going to worship me. Here's the Ark of the Covenant. Very specific details. And then last week, Scott laid out the priestly garments. All of the things that the priests had to wear in order to, to walk into the, the presence of God. And all of these things are being told to Moses. And all of them are so that the Israelites might be able to live in the presence of God. Because without them, they won't. So Moses is hearing this, and we're going to pick up in Exodus 33, but just a a little backstory as to what happens just briefly before that. Moses is on the mountain for a long time, 40 days. And he's being told these things from God, and and he's got the the tablets of the the Ten Commandments and... and, and, uh, 
And he heads down the mountain, and they start to hear things happening at the Israelite camp that don't really ring true to what they should be hearing. And they, they kind of look down, and they realize that the Israelites have, in just a short time period, said, we're going to give up on God and Moses, and we're going to make a little golden calf out of the gold that we have. We're going to melt it down and make a calf, and we're going to worship it. Seems very ridiculous. But that's what happens. And Moses, in his anger, throws down the tablets. God is frustrated. Moses is frustrated. And Moses heads back up the mountain to talk to God. And in the first section of chapter 33, God tells Moses, you guys are going to leave this place and you're going to go. I'm going to lead you to the promised land because that's what I've promised you, that you will have the promised land. So I'm not going to renege on my promise, but who's going to lead you is an angel. An angel is going to lead you. And you're going to go to the promised land. And if that was me, I'd be like, that's a pretty good deal. There's an angel out in front and I can just follow it. And we're going to go straight to the promised land and everything is going to be good. But Moses stops. He stops and he's like, but that's not you, God. An angel isn't you. We want you. And so that's where we pick up in verse 12 of chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, see See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You've, yet you've said, I know you by name, and I found favor, you found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. Moses says to God, but God, an angel is not what I desire. What, What I desire is your presence. God, you said, you've told me, I know your name. I found favor in you, Moses. These are my people. Moses says, we seek your presence, God. We seek you. Nothing else. Verse 14. And he said, God speaking now. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So God continues to just be present with the Israelites in this moment. Moses says, God, we need your presence, and God grants his wish. And Moses says this in verse 15, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. God, if it's not you leading the way, we don't want to move. God, we don't want to leave this place unless your presence is the one pulling us forward. We don't want to take one step unless you are the one leading us. Why? Because it's your presence, God, that makes us distinct. It's your presence that defines who we are. You call us your children. And if you're not with us, we're nothing. If you're not with us, we're nothing. It's your going with us that makes us distinct And the Lord said to Moses, verse 17, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you've found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. For you've found favor in my sight, 
and I know you by name. Verse 18, Moses says, please show me your glory. And then God answers him, and we'll get to God's answer in a moment, but Moses asks God, let your presence be with us. We don't want to move because we're nothing without you. And God says, I found favor in your sight, or you found favor in my sight, and I know your name, Moses. And then Moses asks the boldest question in the world. Show me your glory. Reveal yourself to me, God. Show me more of yourself than I've ever seen before. Show me your glory. How could Moses ask this question? How could he come to God and ask such a bold question to reveal himself? And it's because Moses and God have such an intimate relationship with one another that he can lean into God and say, God, show me more of you. Show me more of you. I was talking with Dan Brown this morning um, just about all kinds of other things, and then the topic came up of, uh, Dan was setting up chairs, and so the topic came up of, people who we recognize here at church, but we don't know their names, right? I've been at this church for 11 years, 12 years now. There are some of you who've been here just as long as me, and I know your face, and if we see each other, and hi V, I'll say hi, and it'll be great, but I don't know your name. And it's, it's part of it's my fault, because I'm not good at that, but part of it is, is we don't have an intimate, close relationship with one another. We've never been in life group together. We've never spent any time outside of this room on a Sunday morning together. And so I might not know your name. You know my name. I'm up front a lot, which is fine. But I might not know your name. So I might not be as revealing of myself to you because I don't know you. I don't know you. And Moses is saying, God, God, you know me so well. Reveal just a little bit more of yourself to me. You know me by name, and I found favor with you. So show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. Verse 19, God speaking, and, I, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, God said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place for me. There's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God says, I'm going to show you all of my goodness. That's pretty mind-blowing. All of my goodness will pass in front of you. But Moses, you won't be able to take it. You can't handle it. You can't live if you see all of me. So I'm going to protect you in that moment hide you and pass by you, declare my name and show you who I really am. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. God, God, show me your glory. And God's like, yeah, I will. But also I'm going to not kill you while I do it. And I'm going to make sure that you're good. And you're going to see all of my goodness. That's pretty amazing. 
It's pretty amazing. God grants him this wish. And I think oftentimes for us, we ask God so often to show up in our lives. God, show up. God, I need your presence in my life. God, I'm struggling with this thing and I just need you to show up. But that's the extent of it. We haven't taken time to, get to, go, to go to God and reveal ourselves to him and say, God, this is my heart. This is who I am. This is my true identity. And say to God, God, I'm all yours. And then God reveals himself to us in a new way. Instead, we say, God, I'm running through this financial problem that's just a financial problem and I cannot figure it out on my own. I have an idea of how I might get around something, how I might be able to pay these bills this month or how I might be able to make ends meet this month. God, I just want your presence in this thing, in this thing that I'm already working on, this thing that I'm already moving on. God, just show up and make it work. Instead of saying, God, this is who I am. This is where my heart is. This is my desire. And I'm resting in you and waiting to hear where you lead us. Jump back to verse 14. My presence will be with you and I will give you rest. God, bring your presence into my life so that I might have rest in my problems. That I might have rest in whatever situation might be coming. What does that mean? That means we don't step out on our own. Instead, we wait to hear what God has for us. God, there's this relationship I'm in, and I think it's the right relationship, but I don't know. And so, God, I'm just going to keep pursuing this relationship because I like her, and it feels good, and so I'm just going to do it. And so, God, if you would just bless it, just be present in that relationship, and then I'm cool with it. That's not what God's asking. He's saying, come and reveal yourself to me, and I will reveal your, myself to you. And I will be present with you, and I will give you rest, and I will lead you. Don't let me take a step, God, without you leading me. Don't let me take a step, God, without you leading me. So often, we ask God to show up in our lives, but we don't expect him to do anything. So often, we ask God to show up, but we don't expect anything of him. Moses says, God, show me your glory, fully expecting that God will. And then God does. Do we ask boldly? Do we ask with confidence that God move in a, in a way in our lives? Exodus chapter 34 now. Starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you. Let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. Verse four, so Moses cut two tablets of stone just like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him. And he took his, in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, 
a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. God shows up on Mount Sinai. Moses comes and God shows up just as he said he would. Passes in front of Moses and declares who he is. Declares more deeply, more personally, more intimately who he is for the first time. The Lord, the Lord. A a compassionate and gracious God. My translation says, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins, but by no means clearing the guilty. God is compassionate and merciful and gracious and loving and faithful, but he's also just. And he becomes oh so intimate with Moses in this moment. Instead of it just being, here's this God that I talk to every once in a while. Instead, it's this personal name of who God is. This is who I am, Moses. This is my identity. This is how I function in the world that I've created. And he makes it clear to Moses who he is. God's glory shows up and he gets personal, revealing himself more and more. Moses has taken time to get to know God, to reveal himself to God. And because of this, God is willing to show Moses a deeper side of him. The title of the sermon in in your notes is Deepening. This is where God takes a deepening of who he is to the Israelites. A deepening of who he is. And for us, it's a deepening of our own faith, of our own freedom journey. When we say, yes, I want to see the presence of God in my life, but I am fully trusting God and not moving on my own, not expecting God to jump on the journey that I'm already on, but expecting God to lead me. And I trust that. That is a deepening of my faith. That is a deepening of my freedom in Christ. It's scary. It's hard. It might be dangerous. It might be difficult. Moses could have been killed. But it was worth it. Uh, I've told this story before, but a number of years ago, I was uh, best man for a friend of mine's wedding. Um, and he's a, lo- a little younger than me, and uh, I was his kind of mentor in high school and college, and um, we were getting together after the rehearsal dinner. It was the night before the wedding, and there was like four guys, and they're all like just out of college, and uh, they're like, what, what are we going to do? And one guy says, I got a box of fireworks in my garage. It's like October. I got a box of fireworks in my garage. And uh, they all say, go get them. 
And so he goes and gets them and brings the oldest, oldest, dustiest, grossest looking box of fireworks. I don't, I've never seen some of the name brands on these fireworks. It was just like firework. There was nothing else on it. It was crazy. And so we start trying to shoot these things off and half of them aren't working and we're having a good time. And this one guy, Jared, grabs a, a Roman candle and he's standing next to the box and he lights it and he shoots a couple. And then he looks at all of us, smiles and drops the Roman candle in the box and runs right? We all run. And uh, it's maybe from here to the wall from us. And this thing just starts going off. It's not a little box. It's a box of fireworks. And it starts going off. And it's scary, right? Because these things are flying towards us at this moment. And we don't know what they do because they're old and they could do all kinds of crazy things. And so we're ducking behind cars. I'm hiding behind this bush, but I don't want to take my eyes off of it because it's pretty cool at the same time right? It's pretty cool at the same time. So I'm looking at this thing, and, and, and the next day as I was thinking back on it, I was like, that was scary, but it was beautiful. That was dangerous, but it was worth it. Like, don't, don't drop a Roman candle on your fireworks this week. If you do, run a safe distance and watch it, because it's going to be great. It's dangerous, but I can't take my eyes off it. God's presence in our lives, when we truly trust him, when we truly lean into him, when we truly engage him in a way where we're putting him in front and not our own desires, not our own plans, not our own hopes. They're beautiful when God leads us. But it can be scary. And it can be dangerous. But man, is it worth it at the end of the day. Man, is it worth it at the end of the day. We got a family here who's going to Africa for the second time, right? And, or third How many times have you guys been there? Too many times. They've been to Africa too many times. And they're serving in Africa again. And I guarantee you the first time they went, it was scary. But it was worth it. And they keep going back and back and back because God is calling them and leading them to it. We have people in our, in our midst who've started a prison ministry, Joe and, and Doug, and they, they have sought after this thing. And it probably, at the time, when they first started, didn't know what was going to happen and was a little scary. And Joe, it was a little dangerous too. But oh, was it worth it. We have families in this church who have sought adoption because God has called them to it or foster care and God has called them to it and they didn't know what was in front of them. They didn't know what was in front of them, but God said, you need to go after this and so they did, they pursued it and it was dangerous and it was hard and it was scary, but oh, was it worth it at the end of the day. When we take aside our own preferences, our own desires, our own hopes and our own dreams, and we say, God, we want you to lead us every step of the way. He's going to put us in some situations that are hard. He's going to put us in some situations that might be dangerous. But at the end of the, the, end of the day, they're going to be beautiful. And they're going to be worth it. So what areas in your life are you leading on your own? What areas in your life are you walking on your own? Are you trying to do everything yourself and not saying, God, I ask you to lead this? Is this even right for me?
In Exodus, we've talked a lot about the presence of God because it's important. Because the freedom that comes from the Israelites isn't that they're not enslaved anymore. It's that they are dwelling in relationship with the creator of the universe. They could have stayed in Egypt and God could have showed up with them there and dwelt with them there and they would have been free. But instead, God takes them on this journey and reveals himself to them over and over and over again. And today, just now, Moses has a conversation with God and God declares all his goodness to him and deepens his journey to freedom. Moses is forever changed in this moment. And the journey that God asked Moses to walk was scary and difficult but at the end of the day, it was worth it. The journey that God's asking us to walk is to trust him in every aspect of our lives. In every aspect of our lives. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we can have a relationship with him. He sent his son to be the sacrifice so that we might be made right before God. And we can now have an intimate relationship with God where we can reveal our hopes and our dreams to the creator of the universe and he can reveal himself to us and we can trust him. But oh so often we write our own stories or oh so often we try and do things on our own and God is saying, my presence will go with you and you can rest in me. But instead of doing that, instead of trusting that, we're off doing our own things, busying ourselves, exhausting ourselves, and not listening to what God has for us. So what in your life do you need to trust God with? What in your life do you need to say, I'm not taking another step until you are leading me? Maybe today you just need God's presence just to show up because you've never met the guy. If that's the case, come and talk to me. Come to talk to somebody around you after the service. We'll be happy to tell you how to do that. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. He wants to deepen our faith. He wants our relationship to deepen And so he reveals himself to us. And it's scary and it's dangerous, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. So Moses sees God, hears God's name. God renews his covenant with Israel to Moses. And then at the end of chapter 33, this happens. Verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, and as he came down from the mountain... Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he'd been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin on his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak, he would remove the veil. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, 
that the skin of Moses' face was shining and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with God again. Moses comes down from the mountain and is forever changed. He comes down from meeting God face to face, from the presence of God being in his midst. And his face is glowing. It is shining. It is obvious that God was talking to Moses. So much so that the people were scared to go to Moses. He was forever changed. Forever changed. Are we different after we spend time with God? Are we different? Because I can leave here on a Sunday morning having worshiped and having heard God's word and go home and nothing will change. Honestly. But if we truly are in the presence of God and we're trusting God to move in our lives, we are different. We are reflecting the glory of God to the world around us. Are we different? Does our speech change? Does the way we interact with others change? Does the way we lead our family change? Do we trust that God is who he says he is and we can trust what he's asking us to do? Are we different? Or are we just still doing the same old thing that we've been doing? Oh, but I want God to show up in my life and just miraculously make me different. That's not the journey. The journey is that God comes into your life and he frees you from the sin that's in your life and then asks you to live in such a way that you can have a relationship with him. He's not going to change your behavior. He's not going to change your speech. He might ask you to change your behavior and your speech, and you should because of God's love for you. But if we ask God to come into our lives and change us, we have to trust him enough that we need to be changed in some way. We need to be changed. Moses is physically different after spending time with God. Are we different after we engage him? Or are we just giving him prayers of desperation? God, I need, I need you in this area of my life. God, just show up, show up, show up, show up, show up. Instead of God, lead me. Make me different. Point me in a new direction. Three questions today as we close. How well do you know God? How well do you know God? Do you know him well enough that you can ask him to show you his glory? Do you know him well enough that he will speak his name to you? Do you know him well enough that in your prayer life, when you are seeking him, you can hear his voice in your life? How well do you know God? Do I believe that God will show up when I ask him? Or again, are we just having prayers of desperation? Where we hope that God might show up? Or do we expect him to show up in some way?
And the third question, do I rest in his presence? Do I rest in his presence? Or am I too busy to even notice that he's sitting next to me? Am I too busy to even notice that God is moving in the world around me? My presence will go with you, God says, and I will give you rest. God's asking us to deepen our faith. He's asking us to deepen our relationship with him, and we have to stop spinning our wheels. We don't go anywhere. Instead, we pause and we wait and we hear from God, and then we move. So do you find rest in him today? The worship team's gonna come and we're gonna sing the song that we just sang. It's called King of My Heart and it, the, the chorus is so simple. You are good, that's it. What a declaration of our hearts. What a declaration of our souls. You are good, God. And because of your goodness, because of your love, because of your compassion and your grace and your mercy on my life, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to trust you. I want to walk with you. So as we sing this song, dig deep into your heart, dig deep into your soul and find the thing that you are hanging on to and not trusting God with. And look to him and say, God, in this area of my life, I need to trust you because you are good and you're never gonna let me down. So I'm giving it to you. Show me your glory in this area of my life. Show me your glory today. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for for your name. A merciful, gracious God who loves us even though we don't deserve it. Even though we are a mess. Even though we are disgusting You still love us. You still declare your name over us. And so God, today in this place, we ask that your presence come. Today in this place, we ask that your presence come, not only in our lives, but in the life of our church collectively, God. We give ourselves to you because you are good. And you've never failed us and you never will. And so God, in this place, in this time, we look to you and we say, God, show us your glory. Reveal yourself to us in a new way. Show us your glory today, God. Let it be beautiful Let us not take our eyes off it, but God, when it gets difficult, when it gets tough, when it gets dangerous, when it gets scary, let us look up to you and say, no, we're going to keep following 
you, God, because you are good. God, move in this place in the next few minutes. Show up in this place. Amen. As the band starts to play, let's just sit for a moment and reflect. Take just two or three minutes as they play and they start this song to reflect on what areas of your life you can give up control, give up your own desires and say, show me your glory today, God.